Hello everyone, this is Dr. Tony Evans with The Urban Alternative, and I'm excited to welcome you to join us on a journey. A journey through Hebrews 11, it's known as the Hall of Faith, where men and women discovered what God can do when God's people learn to live, walk, and act by faith. The beautiful thing is, it's not just about them. It's about us. As the author of Hebrews writes to New Testament believers, that's who we are, about how the lives of Old Testament saints who learn to live by faith should challenge and affect our lives as we live by faith. So we're excited to welcome you on this journey. It's gonna be an exciting trip. We're gonna learn a lot. Most importantly, we're gonna be transformed by the truth of what it means to be a kingdom hero who lives by faith. Today, we're gonna to talk about the leading candidate of faith in the Bible. If I were to use football language, you would call this guy a beast. Because when it came to faith, he is the creme de la creme. He is the, he is the superstar. He is the most valuable faith person. In fact, when the Bible wants to talk about faith, he is a constant illustration of it. Hebrews chapter 4 and the book of Galatians chapter 3 keeps talking about this guy. In fact, this guy is such a beast. He is such an illustration of faith. And his name is Abraham. Abraham is called the father of the faith. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 to 9, it says, and when you learn to live by faith, you become one of his children. You become an heir to Abraham, who was the superstar of faith. And if you learn what we go over these next three weeks for this one personality and his wife, you will enter into a realm that perhaps will be brand new to you and to an experience with God that will uh, be fresh, not stale, because you have learned to live like Abraham lived. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read in verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived in an alien, as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. We're going to learn three things about Abraham today and his walk of faith. That if you want to experience God at a whole new level by faith, it will involve a leaving, a living, and a looking. If you want to experience God as you've never experienced him before, as you move by faith, it will involve a leaving, a living, and a looking. Let's start with the leaving. Because verse 8 tells us, by faith, when he was called, he obeyed by going out to a place. Now, this is described for us in Genesis chapter 12, chapter 13, when God told Abraham 
I want you to leave your city, your community, your house, and even your people. And I want you to go to a place that I'm not going to tell you about yet. Said he didn't know where he was going. All he knew is God told him to leave without knowing where God was taking him. Why is God telling him to leave, Ur of the Chaldees? Why is God telling him to, to move away from family and friends and the things he grew up with? Well, to understand that, you have to understand chapter 11, the chapter that precedes God calling him. In chapter 11, the whole world has rebelled against God. A man named Nimrod, uh, an African that you shouldn't be proud of, led the whole world in rebellion against God. The Tower of Babel established the religion of humanism, man-centered religion. It says that they gathered together as one people to build a civilization and right in the center of the city they built a tower that is a ziggurat, that is a worship steeple and they said, we will build our tower to the heavens. We don't need God. We've got intelligence, brains, reason, science, technology. We can build this thing ourselves. We don't need God. We don't need God to help us. In fact, we're going to build this thing so high, we're going to show God we can get to him. Of course, Genesis 11 says, and when God looked down and saw what men were doing, he came down. So I don't care how high you get, how much money you make, how much notoriety you amass. God's got to come down because you ain't getting but so high. God came down and said, now look, look at them fools. Look, look, look at what they're trying to do. It says, they are seeking, God said, to build a name for themselves. Why? Because they don't want to carry my name. God says, I have, a, I have something for you to do. I've got a plan for you, Abraham. But in order for me to fill my plan, you've got to leave here. In other words, stay with me. If you want to see where I want you to go, I'm not going to show you where I'm taking you till you leave where you are. You cannot stay here and have me. You cannot stay around paganism and have me. You cannot stay around humanism and have me. So you've got to leave and you've got to trust me that I know where I'm taking you even though I'm not telling you. See, a lot of us are like this. Okay, God, show me where you're taking me and then I'll let you know if I'm going. God says in 1 John 2 and John 15, he says, if you are friends with the world, you are an enemy of God. And he tells that to his disciples. If you, if you hang out with the world, you can't have me. God has called every Christian to leave worldliness. He's not called us to leave the world. That is to, to not live in society, not work in society, not, not, not have responsibility in society. No, but worldliness is different. Worldliness are attitudes and actions that leave God out. You're worldly when there are attitudes and actions where God is dismissed from. God has saved us out of this world. 
The world is not, as we've said many times, a place. The world is a philosophy. It's like uh, the world of finance, the world of fashion, the world of politics, the world of sports. While they involve places, they're really an orientation centered around a certain thing. World of finance is about money. Well, worldliness is about the exclusion of God. The enemy wants you to exclude God and God says, leave there. That is, your life and my life cannot be defined by leaving God out or just putting him in piecemeal when we like it as a spare tire, taking him out the trunk when life goes flat, putting him back when we can roll on by ourselves again. You will never know where God is taking you unless you leave where you are, the world. You will never find out. He will, he will never show you what motivated him to leave. God said, I have an inheritance for you. Says he left to get his inheritance. An inheritance is like a will. It's something bequeathed to you. God has something for every believer here. If you are a Christian, he has a purpose that he wants you to fulfill. But he will not show you your destiny if he can't leave, get you to leave the world. As long as you're hanging on to the world, you're at enmity against God. God cannot communicate with you. So you won't hear heaven talk. You won't get answered prayers. You won't get direction. You'll be aimless because your affections are not with him. They are elsewhere. You visit him on occasion. But you live with affections and actions that leave him out. In fact, one of the ways you know you're growing as a Christian is when your passion for the world is dying and your passion for him is growing. If you're loving the world more than him, that's because the world has your affections, it has your passions, it, it, it has grabbed you. So he says, you must leave this paganism that doesn't include me without me giving you all the details you're going to have to walk by faith and believe I know where I'm taking you. The problem was, or is, that that's where he was born. That's where he grew up. That's where all his people are. That's where his businesses were. The Bible says he was a filthy rich guy. That's where all of his activities were. So it's hard to leave something you've grown up in. Because that, that informs your frame of thinking. But it says, when he heard the voice of God, he obeyed and left because his inheritance was more important than his current location. So here's the decision we have to make. That is, if you really want to experience God, is what God has for you more important than where you are? Do you love the world so much you're willing to lose your destiny? Because God knows where he wants to take you but you must be willing to leave, say goodbye. Because God knows where he wants to take you, but you must be willing to leave, say goodbye. Some of you are gonna battle because you're gonna have to say goodbye to that worldly relationship that's keeping you from your destiny. You may have to say goodbye to that, that worldly scenario where the guys are going out after work and 
they, they, they talk in smut. You find yourself comfortable there and you don't want to lose a friendship. And we're not talking about being antisocial. We are talking about saying that that does not fit where I'm trying to go. And so, because that doesn't fit where I'm trying to go and I want to get to where God's taking me, I'm willing to make, I'm willing to leave. It's going to be hard to leave, but, but I'm willing to leave. Because you can keep yourself from ever hearing the voice of God if you stay in the world. There, that system that leaves God out. Hebrews 13, 13 says, you must go outside of the camp where Jesus is. Jesus died outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where Judaism was. He went outside the camp and died. It says, you can't stay in just a religious environment and not be willing to be identified with Jesus Christ and bear his reproach and expect to hear from God. You have to go outside the camp. That is, you, 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 you can't be just part of the system. He based his life on a promise. Unless you leave the old, you will never discover what God has for you in the new. So the question is, what do you want? Do you want him or you want to hang out where you are and not have him? Because he will never coalesce with the world. James 4. He won't do that. So the first thing you need to know is that your life of faith will require a leaving of worldliness, desires and actions that are in conflict with God. Secondly, your life of faith from this superstar of faith will involve a living a leaving and then a living. Notice this, verse 9. By faith he lived, see that? By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Wow. He left and then he lived. Now watch this. It says he lived in the land of promise as a foreigner and an alien. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. Watch this now. He left. He left Ur of the Chaldees, paganism. He is now in the land God is promising him. Okay? God promised him a land. But in the land that he's now in and living in, He's living as an alien and a foreigner in the middle of a promise. Some of us are in God's waiting room. And there's probably no greater discipline in the Christian life, no harder discipline than waiting. God, how long is this going to take? When are you going to come through for me? How come I take two steps forward, three steps back? How come every time I look like you're getting ready to do something, you flip on me and the thing doesn't work out? God is always doing two things at one time related to your life and mine. Here are the two things. He's preparing the promise for you and he's preparing you for the promise. Okay? He, whatever your inheritance is, whatever your destiny is in time and eternity, but, but this is time, whatever he has planned for you in time is being made ready. But he's also got to get you ready. 
so that when the promise and the plan and the destiny is realized, you don't mess it up because you weren't ready. Now watch this. You have no control over the promise part, over the part that that's not you. God is doing that over here. You can't control that. You have a control over the person part. So on my side and your side, we could be delaying the promise while waiting for the promise. And that's exactly what happened with Abraham. Watch this. Genesis chapter 12, chapter 13. Abraham is 75 years old. 75 years old. His breakthrough doesn't come for 25 years. It's going to take him 25 years for God to break this thing through. That's when Isaac appears. So one of your major reasons to want to leave Ur the Chaldees, the world, and want to live in God's presence and move quickly in obedience is so you can get what he has as soon as he can give it because you're ready for it. God, why is that such a big deal? Because God doesn't want to give you a destiny that will cause you to forget him. He says, as a foreigner and an alien, the Bible says that you and I are foreigners and aliens here. So watch this now. God does not want you to be too attached. A foreigner is somebody, they're there, they're not fully attached. See, he was in the tent. That's not a permanent location. God is moving them from this place to this place to this place to this place to this place. God says, if I'm going to take you to your inheritance, I've got to develop you for your inheritance. And when I develop you for your inheritance, keep your shoes on light because I'm going to send you through some stuff. I'm going to take you through some things. There are going to be some mountains. There are going to be some valleys, but they're all divine, designed to develop you. I got my peace out here. I'm going to take care of. I just got to get you right. Some of us are working on 50 years of things that should have been solved in three years. But God, but, but we didn't pitch our tent and built us up a house that we ain't going to move out of. And so God does not have flexibility with our lives. And so he can't grow us like he wants to grow us because we're not available for him to do his thing. But it says, by faith, Abraham was willing to live as an alien, to live as a, as a foreigner, not become too attached looking for God to change his scenario. And then the third one is a looking, verse 10. For he was looking, it says, he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Wow. If, 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 you, if you miss everything else, don't miss this because it will change everything for the rest of your life. He left the world. He no longer associated with that which, lead, God, which left God out. He lived in the arena of the promise but stayed fluid because he had to grow in that situation. Because before God gives you destiny, he always deals with development after having provided deliverance. So it's deliverance, development, destiny. And then it says the way he survived and the way you and I survived was where he looked. While he was living on earth, 
while he was waiting for the promise that was going to come on earth, namely a son born out of his old age, while he waiting for this, and, and it says he kept his eyes on heaven. He looked for a city whose builder and architect was God. That, that's, that's the heavenly city. Okay, watch this. He wasn't going to heaven yet. He still had a lot of years to live on earth. But even though he wasn't going to heaven, he was looking at heaven. Because here's the secret. If you learn to look at heaven, you'll live better on earth. If you stop looking at heaven and only look at earth, you will be looking through bad glasses. Because you'll be living like this is all there is. And this is not all there is. In fact, this is so small, a piece of the pie. God wants you and me to have an eternal perspective. He says, I want you to look to heaven while living on earth. There are two extremes as a Christian. One is to be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. The other is to be so earthly minded, you're no heavenly good. Like Santana Holmes in Super Bowl 43 when he won the Super Bowl for the uh, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and he went to the edge of the end zone and he leaned up and he caught the ball in the air with his feet firmly planted on the ground. The winning touchdown. If he would have missed the ball with his feet planted, incomplete. If he would have caught the ball but his feet not planted in bounds, incomplete. He had to reach high and touch low. God wants you to look up while touching down. Your feet firmly planted on the ground, but you're looking up to heaven as you make your move so that heaven is informing earth. And when heaven informs earth, you can make it on earth because now you're getting supercharged. You're getting from up there joining you down here so you can make it from tent to tent until your change comes, until God brings the breakthrough, until God shifts the situation. That's why the Bible says in 1 John 2, this world is passing away. Watch this now. Don't hang on to this world too tight. See, that's why things get boring, because this world is passing away. That's why the drug addict has got to get more. That's why Satan offers more. He always ups the dosage, because he knows this thing is passing away. So he got to up the dosage to keep you going and craving it. God says this world is passing away, so don't hinge your whole life onto this wagon. Because it's passing away, and guess what? We're passing away. So since this world is temporary, look eternally and it will change your temporary movement. When you lose sight of heaven, your perspective will be ruined on earth. If your mind leaves heaven and you only live for earth, earth is all you'll get. But if you are heavenly minded, Colossians chapter 3, seeking the things that are above, if you have a heavenly perspective driving you, you'll be ready for heaven and you'll be okay till you get there. Because he kept looking eternally, although he was living physically. It has to do with your perspective. There needs to be a shift in your perspective. There's got to be a shift in our perspective that you wake up in the morning thinking eternally. That is, thinking God's perspective, that a spiritual worldview. This has got to be how you live. This is how he lived by faith, thinking heaven while functioning in history. Genesis chapter 12 and 13, guess what you find? 
over and over and over again when it tells the story of Abraham in Genesis 12 and 13. It says everywhere he went, he built an altar. An altar is a worship place. He didn't just go to church. He carried an altar with him. So every time he was in a new situation, he built himself a worship place so he could keep his eyes on heaven in the middle of earth while waiting for promise as he was trying to develop. He said, God, it's you and me now. He can't pick up his altar, go to another place. Hey, worship, he picked up his altar. So if the only time you worship is on Sunday, you leaving your altar at church. The idea is to keep a spiritual perspective until God joins you in destiny having left Ur of the Chaldees. God says if you will leave where you are, if you will move and you will move toward me, keeping your eyes on King Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, he will know how to get you home and take you to where you ought to be. If you will leave the world, live under me and look toward me, I will deliver you home. So the question is, you want to keep hanging out in the world or do you want to discover your destiny? But the only way to get there is by faith. Life is not an event, it's a journey. It doesn't start and end in a day. It's experienced over days, months, and years. We call a lifetime. In this journey of life, a lot of decisions have to be made. And a lot of them have to be made by faith because we don't know where things will result. We don't know in advance how everything's gonna work out. Abraham made a pilgrimage of faith. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Since we have to go on this journey anyway, we need to make the pilgrimage of our life and our life's journey one of trusting God because he alone knows where things are going to wind up.